This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash Retro. episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so what's been happening this week uh it's been a pretty busy week actually mm-hmm. uh so I, I don't know if i've talked about this on the show but um my wife samantha has started becoming a um a wedding coordinator i saw and she's never never done it before she has booked i kid you not eight weddings already what for the year i'm in the wrong business (laughs) i know right so luckily i'm i'm uh i've also got some video work um that i'll be doing for a couple of those um which will which will be good extra money is never a bad thing but yeah yeah, i've i've been i've been really impressed and really proud of her for the work that she's put in and it's it's been paying off so her her first weddings uh march 4th Ooh, I bet so that's coming up in a couple. I bet that is very uh, stressful trying to plan people's weddings. I could. I don't think I could do it. it. It depends on who you get, and it's usually. This is just my experience as a videographer. It's normally not the bride. It's the bride's <laughs> mother that you got to worry about. Yep, I can imagine. But I've I've been fortunate enough to not really have too many like bad experiences. Yeah. But I I have heard of some. Oh, so, I'm sure. So uh, the the people that whose wedding we're working um, in early March, like they they seem very chill and down to earth. So we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed that it stays <laughs> I'm sure that they way. They won't all be like that. No, no, they will not. But that that's mostly what I've been up to. That and uh, uh, for those who are watching the show live and also listen or watch the Derek Diamond Experience. Um, I recorded this week's episode right before we started the show, so it's not out yet. Um, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to edit that up, and it'll be out uh, later on this evening. So, awesome. fun, fun stuff. What yeah. about you? Um, well, I did a little artwork last week for a uh, saw that, yeah, for uh, this Tron um, art contest that uh, I, I entered into. Hopefully, I'll win a little something. It's nothing huge, but. I did uh, uh, Mega Man mixed with Tron, so that's going to be... I thought I had an original idea until uh, our good friend Tyler popped up in Discord like, what, like this? And and shows a shirt that's uh, Mega Man mashed with Tron. I was like, son of a bitch, man. (laughs) You can always count on the fact checker to the fact checker. Yeah. But he was just doing his job. Yeah. But I I, I really liked your artwork. I know you... I saw it in the Discord and you, you sent it to... Me and uh, and Wally and Joey, I think. So uh, it was really the, good. I liked it. Thanks. After the contest, I think I may make a T-shirt out of it and put it on uh, our our T public site site our T public site. That reminds me, I need I need to get the Wally shirt. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. about I'm I'm thinking about wearing it for, for our panel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did some other artwork too, uh, creating the label for our brand new line of B Res Nerd Cave Retro Coffee. 
uh, yes. nice, smooth, medium roast that you can go pick up right now at brezcoffeeco.com. I did the uh, the artwork, which was an artwork I did for which what was going to be for the podcast, but I, it, we ended up going a different route. And uh, I saved it. I was like, I know we're going to use this for something one day. And um, I saved it. It, it, it looks like it, it, it's designed to look like an old Nintendo black box uh, cover. So I made that. And um, that's the cover for our coffee with little 8-bit me and, and Derek's on the front of it. And it's awesome. And our heads are superimposed on characters that I think are very appropriate for our respective fandoms. So oh, yeah. I'm I'm excited. I actually I ordered um I ordered a bag um yesterday, I think. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll um I'm excited to you know how it tastes. I mean they they've made really good coffee. I've never had anything oh, yeah. bad from B Res, so excited to see how it tastes yeah i'm gonna order me a bag this week and if you want to get a bag of our very own nerd cave retro medium roast uh use the code ncr for 10 percent off your order and go to brezcoffeeco.com support small businesses and they have great coffee so go try it out right now i, I demand use the it pro- use the promo code ncr to buy ncr coffee but uh but we got to do a little bit of a shorter episode tonight derek's got some work he, uh, he's got to do tonight so we're gonna go right into the news what do you say let's do it <laughs> have a story you'd like us to cover you can send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com this first story tonight is from nintendolife.com nintendo wins switch joy-con drift class action lawsuit um the story they ran on the in the u.s who were trying to get their kids to sue nintendo over joy-con drift in a class action lawsuit uh it seems the video game giant has come out on top in November last year, a federal judge ruled in favor of Nintendo in the Sanchez et al. I guess that's how you say that. V. Nintendo of America case. Nintendo was able to prevent the case from going any further thanks to the Switch's EULA, which disallows lawsuits and requires party involved to enter a legal arbitration. The parents tried to argue their children weren't bound by the EULA due to their age, but in the end, Nintendo won out when the parents were uh, were recognized as the real owners of the system. Systems. The, uh, this obviously isn't the first time the company has had legal dealings like this. Uh, and one other victory last year, it even scored two point one million in a lawsuit against a ROM website. Way to go, Nintendo! I'm not surprised. I mean that I didn't think that they would lose, but I, I will say as a personal story. The drift on my Joy-Con, the left one, mm-hmm. it's unplayable. Yeah, right mine now. Too. Like I I've, had to replace it. I, I've tr- I started playing Secret of Mana again, and whenever you pause the game, this little like wheel comes up where you can do things like you know if you want to use your items or equip a different weapon or things like that. There's a different there's different wheels, and you can like hit the up or down to rotate between them. Yeah. Well. Whenever I pause the game, it just puts those wheels on an endless loop. Huh. That's because sucks. the because the Joy-Con is drifting so bad. Yeah, I when mine was drifting, I I was playing um the Gems of War a lot and uh it's a it's a match 3 type of gem card game and uh it was matching gems without my consent. <laughs> it was just moving stuff around. I'm like this ain't cool. Yeah, I, it's 
I'm not surprised that Nintendo won, but at the same time, I feel like this is something that they could have avoided from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, they did launch the uh, the free repair program, which is, is cool, but at the same time, you still gotta, you gotta send it off to Nintendo, get it fixed, get it back, and with the postage, I mean, you might as well, like, I, what I did, I went on... Um, Amazon and I bought the uh, the Legend of Zelda left Joy-Con and it was like 25 bucks. It's not Bluetooth. It only works when it's in the uh, the Switch. But I rarely ever use the uh, the controllers for motion or anything like that. Like I always play my Switch like a handheld. So it I just replaced it for 25 bucks and I've been perfectly happy with that. Yeah, it's to the point now that I just I need to get a new Joy-Con. I've put it off for as long as I can, but like I said, it's pretty much unplayable the way it is right now. It's like the Red Ring of Death for Nintendo. It's like it's going to happen at some point. It it really is. It really is. So that'll, that'll be something I do within the next week or so. This is also from NintendoLife.com. This story hurt me physically. This, (laughs) I'm going to put it bluntly, this pissed me off when I read it. Uh, What a certified Pokemon Yellow apparently mauled by U.S. Customs. Mm. We've heard some horror stories in the past about games and consoles that have been sent off and didn't make it to the other end, but this story takes it to another level. A water-graded copy of the Game Boy Classic Pokemon Yellow has been completely destroyed, apparently after an encounter with U.S. Customs. As explained by Night Dive Studios CEO Stephen Kick, a friend of his recently purchased a sealed and graded water copy of the original Game Boy Classic released in 1999. When it arrived, the case was broken, the seal had been ripped and discarded, and even the box was cut up. And there's a, a photo in the article that you can read and yeah the case was broken into front of the box is cut off i don't understand why i assume they thought maybe something suspicious was in the box but the thing is like if they knew how valuable that was they should have to pay for it and i don't think you can sue <laughs> customs I don't th- can you i don't think so i I I'm not a legal expert, so I have no idea. I I mean couldn't give I couldn't guess either way. The game the box for the Game Boy game is what like this big, like it's like the size of a it's what like four inches by four inches, you know the box. And mm-hmm. why would you think something horrible was in that? That seems like vin, uh, vindictive. The the way that it was busted open. The the box was cut open. Like why? Why would you? I mean, what were you? Did you think there was a nuclear device in there or something? Like, explain to me why that thing was mauled like it was. Clearly, whoever was working customs that day had never played a Pokemon game. I mean, seriously, this. Oh, this oh I me. I would be so angry. I mean, imagine if you had like, uh, I don't know, like. Uh, like stadium events you know a stadium events cartridge sealed uh in a wada cartridge uh a case and customs just rips it open and just destroys your copy of uh, uh like that oh my god that uh, i i'm getting my blood my blood pressure's going up just thinking about it like that would i would be so mad 
my wife would have to keep me from going to jail. <laughs> I mean, so, that's just and this, awful. This wasn't like an average graded copy of the game either. It was graded 9.2. So it it ain't no Man. slouch. It must have still been sealed. Yeah. Uh, any, and when you see that, it's in the seal. It's under uh, acrylic plastic. Why would you bust it open and destroy it? Why? I don't know. Oh, my. I have no idea. This I'm I, I all right. We got to move on because I'm just angry. Yeah. <laughs> this next one is from GamesRadar.com. From Skate Two to Sega's best arcade game, these Xbox 360 classics will soon be gone from digital stores forever. Dozens of games will soon be delisted from the Xbox 360 store, which effectively means that a big number of backwards compatible titles are being killed on modern consoles too. Uh, let's see. The vast majority of these games are available as backwards compatible titles, but bewilderingly, most of them are not actually purchasable on modern Xbox consoles. Uh, you have to purchase them either through the actual Xbox 360 console or Microsoft Online's 360 Marketplace. While an Xbox rep told Gamatsu that titles that are available to be purchased on the Xbox One and Xbox Series XS stores will remain purchasable. That doesn't really matter when most of these games are not on the modern store. Uh, let's see, where's the list? Here we go. Uh, while the list is a bit different in each region, most of it remains the same. Here's everything delisted. Uh, Aegis Wing, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed 3 and 4, Assassin's Creed Liberation, Blood of the Werewolf, Blue Dragon, Breakdown, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Call of Duty Ghosts, Castle Crashers, why is Castle Crashers being pulled down? Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, Dark Souls, Darksiders 2, uh, let's see, Far Cry 2, Final Fight, Double Impact. They're, dude, this list is massive. Like Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, Limbo. Limbo is being pulled down. Peggle 2. The, uh, this is why. Why is this happening? This is why I don't like digital... Uh, what do you call it? the DRM or whatever the, the something like purchases. that purchases? This is why I still like physical purchases right here. This is this is it right here. So would you say that Left for Dead is being Left for Dead? It's Left for Dead, dude. <laughs> like we were saying with the first story, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, as as we get to you know more modern consoles. Yeah, the the older games are going to be discontinued, but I, I, I've been a proponent of digital mostly for its convenience. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, this is why you should get a physical copy of the game. Like I, I went through a stretch where, so like, say like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the version I have is digital. I've got a few other digital games too, but with games like Breath of the Wild, um, with Mario Odyssey, and even with you know, when I got Sonic Frontiers, I got a physical copy for reasons like this. Dude, the orange box is being pulled down. One of the greatest games of the last, like, uh, collection of games for that era was the orange box. Because it had Half-Life 2, um, it had uh, Portal, and um, what was the multiplayer game that was on there? I can't remember the name of it right offhand. Um, I can't either. But that collection, I still have it. Like that was, and now it's going away. Like this is why I think there should be some kind of an online library 
where you can go and get these games or at least play them or have some way to play them uh, in an online library setting. If they're going to just take these games and be like, they're not going to be available anymore for purchase, then they should be put in some sort of free downloadable archive. Yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with anything you just said. I think it's stupid that they're being pulled, but <sighs> I don't know. It's it's unfortunate. I don't like it. Our last story comes to us from Kotaku.com. Uh, five classic retro games that you can play for free. In the down moments of playing a distressingly long Mario Party 2 game this weekend, my friends get a garbage truck full of <laughs> NES and Super NES games with their Nintendo Switch online membership. I started wondering what other retro games were only a download away on publisher storefronts. By that, I mean the Microsoft Store for Xbox-compatible games, Nintendo's for the Switch, etc. There are actually some hidden freebies therein, and you might not have realized these five games were so directly within your grasp. Which they are uh, 1943, The Battle of Midway, which you can get from the PlayStation Store or Nintendo. Pac-Man, which you can get uh, on Apple's App Store or Google Play. The original Sonic the Hedgehog which you can get, again, from uh, Apple's App Store or Google Play. Pinball FX2 from the Microsoft Store. That looks cool. Yeah, it does. And Shadow Warrior Classic, which you can get on Steam. So, few hidden gems out there. I had no idea that the original Sonic the Hedgehog was on mobile. I didn't either. I knew that uh, Sega was doing that uh, mobile gaming thing that they had talked about a couple of years ago and then it was like hey we're we're gonna be have all these old sega genesis games be available on this mobile gaming platform and then all of a sudden it like went away and never heard anything else about it what's funny is i don't know what it's called but there is some type of other sonic mobile game because uh my niece and nephew stayed over with us on friday and we went to go pick them up and as we were driving back to our house my nephew takes out his phone and then I hear the sound of Sonic collecting rings. And I look, I look at Samantha and go, I know what he's playing. Yeah. I'm going to have to go get uh, 1943 battle of midway on the, uh, on the switch. Cause man, I love those, uh, 1942, 1943 games. Those were great games for the Nintendo. And now that I know it's free, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check that out Absolutely. cause I don't have an excuse now. But, uh, but that brings us to the end of the news, and uh, we're going to skip video game history for this week. But uh, before we go into the review, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out John West, Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mr. Joey Image himself, and of course, we call her Mama Diamond, but her name is Donna Diamond, oh, my mother. Mama Diamond. Oh, we got another yeah. uh, new patron. Yes, month. we did. Yeah, I saw that. Um, let me. His name is Brian Piotrowski. Awesome. Well, welcome, Brian. Thank you for joining the Patreon family, which means. We're back above the $50 level, right? Yes, we are. So, so we get to do a commentary track. 
yeah, so we'll have to figure out what we're going to do. So because we are back at the $50 level, we will do a commentary track for you this month. We don't know what that will be yet. If you want to look back into the past archives, just to hear some examples, if you're a new listener to the show, we've done commentary tracks for the Super Mario Brothers movie, for the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, other movies like Christmas Vacation, Clue, animated shows like Batman, Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck. The list is near endless of what we've done, so we'll, we'll have to come up with something good. And uh, Brian Piotrowski had sent us a message on Patreon, too. Uh, offered us another 20 bucks to do a commentary with him uh, f- for something, but I, I, I okay. don't know what it was that he wanted us to do. I'm waiting waiting to hear back from him. So, Brian, if you're out there, I sent you a message. Let me let me know exactly what you want us to do with you, and uh, we'll, we'll get that worked out. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout-out. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee, doesn't matter what type of coffee you like, they got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate-flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek will be talking about... love that music so much it's so just relaxing you know no matter how good or bad a mario kart game is relaxing soundtrack for one of the most unrelaxing games ever (laughs) oh we're gonna get to that my friend because this is a game that i've wanted to talk about for quite a while actually Uh, mario kart 64 which is of course a kart racing video game developed and published by nintendo for the nintendo 64 It is the second main entry in the Mario Kart series and is the successor to the original Super Mario Kart, which was released in 1992. This game was released in Japan December 14th of 1996 and just a few short months later in North America on February 10th, 1997. So I've talked ad nauseum about how big a fan I am of the Super Nintendo. One of the reasons is it's immense gaming library there are a ton of good games for the super nintendo and i remember when the original mario kart came out and i was really excited for it because i love the mario series racing games are fun and who knew that that would be the spark of a series that i'd argue is almost as popular as the main line of mario games you know mario kart is one of the ultimate casual gamers video games they're easy to play Mm -hmm. you you don't really have you don't have to do a lot like it's easy to pick up on 
for the most part, the Mario Kart games are really good. I really like Double Dash. I really like, um, was it Mario Kart 8 that they re-released for the Switch? Yeah. Um, Super Circuit, I think, is very underrated. But there are some that are not as good. Unfortunately, this is one of them. Mm. So I remember briefly playing this game when it first came out because I'm like, oh, it's another Mario Kart game. I love the original. And then when when I played it, like I just thought it was okay. And I can never really remember why I felt that way. Because I didn't really have a like a vivid memory of playing it. I do remember playing it. I remember a few aspects of it. But nothing really stood out to me. Hmm. But and so I, I was curious, you know, when I, I decided, you know what, I, I think it's time to finally talk about this game and revisit it. It is not aged well, like most N64 games. But I, I will say, to be fair, I don't think the original has aged very well either. I still have that sentimental value because I love mm-hmm. the game. But if you go back and play it, it does not play that great. Yeah. And I think part of it is because the series has advanced so much that going back and playing those old versions, they feel really clunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially and, that. And I hate to say that about the Super Nintendo version, but yeah, it, it's pretty clunky too. There's still things I like about it. Like I, I love the music. I like a lot of the music in Mario Kart 64. Like you said, that that track you played was very relaxing and. Mm-hmm there's not really any tracks that I dislike. That's been a consistency with the Mario Kart series. And I I don't want to completely bash this game because there there are a couple of things that I I did like about it. Uh, First off, I did not play this on the N64. I couldn't bring myself to use the controller, if I'm being completely honest. So got, got a ROM and I just played it on my computer. There are some cool things about the game in addition to the music. There are a couple of fun tracks. The most notable one, uh, and luckily, I, I want to say it's been remastered for some of the more modern games, but Wario Stadium, which is built like a, a dirt bike track. So in a way, you feel like you're playing a Mario Kart Excite Bike hybrid, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. The track is big. There's plenty of space to move around and some of the smaller courses are good too but i I like having that wide open area especially when you have a game that doesn't control that well like mario kart 64 you want to have plenty of space because you have to i I found myself constantly having to compensate because of the controls yeah And, and one of the more frustrating things is that like whatever direction you turn so say if you have to make a a left turn the camera will kind of pan over instead of being in a fixed spot like the more modern ones are. Mm-hmm. And it's really annoying. Hmm. And it, it got, it, it, it threw me off when I, that first happened. Cause I, I didn't remember that aspect of the game, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, another track that I actually really liked was Koopa beach. Um, it's not, a huge track, but I I liked the layout of it. I felt like there were just enough obstacles. And also there were some cool like shortcuts you could take because one of the more realistic things they did is that, you know, the tide will come in at certain points 
And then when you come back around, the tide will be out. Mm -hmm. So you can actually cut across what was originally submerged, especially if you have like a mushroom or something, then you can speed across that and you can, you know, get ahead a few places. So, so that was cool. Uh, other than that, like the tracks weren't, I'll say this rainbow road was boring. Really? I, I, I so I actually like playing rainbow road as frustrating as it can be. I like the challenge of it. It just felt like it was kind of there compared to other ones. And it, there was this really weird glitch near the beginning of the track where you go down this really steep slope and it's like the camera goes through the road. So for like a brief moment, you're looking, it's almost like you're looking through like a green or a yellow um, at, at the track because of the, the camera glitches, which was, I, I kind of laughed, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's, you got to remember the period that we're talking about yeah, this with, is with these games. Very fresh into the 3D realm. We're, we were just getting our feet wet at this point. And the character art is pretty jarring. If you go back and look at it, they look like 2D cutouts. Yeah. Like they don't really, the environment is 3D, but the character art, it was like they kind of updated the Super Nintendo version and just cut it out of a piece of paper and just <laughs> pasted it on there. Hey, maybe that's where they got the idea for Paper Mario. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um. Yeah, the controls in the camera were were pretty frustrating to deal with. I think this game would be more fun if I had someone else to play it with. Like, I think if we did like a two player or a four player, it would be more fun. But speaking for someone who is an only child and grew up playing these Mario Kart games for the most part on my own, the cups are fun to do. At least to me, they are. In yeah. most of these Mario Kart games, but in this one, I just maybe it was the controls and the graphics, but I got bored pretty quickly. Well, you got to think, like we said, this is very early on and moving into a 3D realm. So this was probably really I mean, this was really innovative at the time. But you go back and play this now with everything that we can do. like you go look at Mario Kart 8 on the switch and that game is just so many light years beyond where we were and when did this come out 1997 mhm i mean we're that that's almost 30 years ago at this point so you go back and look at that primitive 3d architecture and gameplay and it's just kind of like uh we're so far beyond this now that's why it's so hard for me to go back and play the N64 era of stuff. Even even the PlayStation 1 type stuff. It's just, it doesn't work for me anymore. Well, as I mentioned this a couple of times, but if I ever go back and play Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask, there's a reason why I play them on the 3DS. Because they went and improved the graphics. Yeah. The sound is still as good, and it honestly plays better. Yeah. It plays better on a handheld than with that god-awful controller. And the thing is, is we're, uh, we're going to be doing our panel at Pensacon this year, and we have our, our guest, Mr. Wally Phelps, is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking about GoldenEye for the 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 that just dropped for the N64, and I'm honestly kind of scared to go back and play that game 
because I have Me so too. many good memories of that game. I don't want to tarnish it, but I know we're doing it for science. We're doing it for the show. And I know, I just know my memory of that game is going to be tarnished so badly. Well, if you end up hating it, you can blame me because it was <laughs> it was technically my idea, even though I was being totally sarcastic when I said, oh, let's review Goldeneye for the Switch. But it's a good idea, though. And, and, and then and then I find out today, I'm like, OK, I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm OK with it. Like, I'm I'm OK with talking about Goldeneye. And I'm I'm curious myself because. Yeah, I, I did go back and play Goldeneye for the show a couple of years ago, and it was the same thing. Like it was, it was still fun, but it's very dated. Yeah, but but I I look at that game like I didn't play Mario Kart sixty four immensely. I played a lot of Goldeneye, so I have more attachment to it than I do you know, what we're talking about tonight. Um, something else, and I. I I don't really consider this a knock because it's smash brothers was the same way. The character selection in this game isn't great. I think you have like eight to 10 characters you can choose from, but that's part of where we were at the time. Like with smash brothers, there was a max of 12 characters Mm -hmm. and now they have, you know, over 50. It seems like it might, I think it is over 50. How many characters were available in this version? Uh, eight to ten. I can't remember the exact amount, but it, it was. I think it might have been two more than the Super Nintendo because Super Nintendo was eight. So, but that it's tough to knock that because that that was a product of the time. Like, if I knock that, I have to knock Smash Brothers yeah. for the same thing. Um, it, it did introduce and in something we talk about, like with GoldenEye, how yeah, it may not play great today, but it did influence games like Halo. This did incorporate a really cool item that has still been featured in the Mario Kart series, and that is the the triple shell. Instead of getting one shell that you can throw at your opponents, you get a ring of red or green shells that spin around you, and you can either use them as a shield or you can you know fire them at whoever's in front of you or behind you. That was innovated in this game and it is one of my favorite weapons to use because i like i said you can use it as a shield yeah if you need to so uh, there is that it did influence the series you know in in some positive ways but at the same time like if i had to give this this are my overall thoughts on the game for the time it was pretty innovative like you said, it was the first foray into the 3D world mm. for Mario Kart. It had some good ideas. It evolved enough from the original, and then Double Dash took what 64 did and put a new spin on it and made it immensely better. But it's just so crazy to go back and look at you know, Mario Kart 64, basically everything for the Nintendo 64, and then just you know four years later, you have four or five years later, you have the GameCube, which is light years beyond what the 64 was doing. I mean, even going back now, uh, playing my GameCube, those games look great. They mm-hmm. still look great. E- even on an HD TV through component cables, they look great. And it's just crazy that 
you know, we did so much learning in that short amount of time, but it's such a rough period for gaming. Like, it's so hard to go back to that era and and play it with any kind of level of, like, uh, having fun. You know, like, it almost seems like everything we go back and play from this era, everything I've ever played in that N64 era seems to be like, it feels like work, <laughs> you know? The way I look at it, when I got Double Dash, because I think Double Dash came out in, in 04 or 05, it might have been 03, mm-hmm. somewhere, it, it didn't come out right when the GameCube did, it was a couple of years into its lifespan. I still had those memories of Mario Kart 64, and it was like, in the Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy leaves Kansas and goes to Oz, how Kansas was black and white, yep, yep. and then Oz is color. Exactly. That's how I felt with playing Double Dash. Mm-hmm. Like, Double Dash is still arguably my favorite Mario Kart game of all time. Yeah. It still runs smoothly. It's got great tracks. I love the double driver dynamic. Multiplayer, that game is awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The the game, it's it's... There's so many videos out right now that I that I even get on my YouTube feed that are just like the the GameCube was hated at the time, but now it's like one of the most coveted retro gaming systems. People love it now and hated it then, and I don't I don't understand why. Like that system just was great. I have a theory on that. I think part of it is because those who grew up with the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo were older. And the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox mm-hmm. appealed more to them because Nintendo still had that family friendly, you know, these are games that you can buy for your kids and you don't have to worry about it kind of thing. Yeah. But then with Xbox, you got Halo and you've got all these other cool games for the PlayStation 2 that were out. And, and I was kind of the same way, you know, I was, I was like five or six when the Super Nintendo came out. And then I was a teenager when, when halo came out so that's that's how i felt but i i was with you i was still a nintendo fan at heart i still got a gamecube and i still very much enjoyed it i'm glad that it gets love now mm-hmm. because like you said it's it got hated for unknown reasons but that that's my theory on why the gamecube was not as well received yeah and i know nintendo would never do anything like because they did it with the mini discs at the time, instead of full full size CDs, and Nintendo would never do something like make it a you know a DVD player at the time, and I, I think that's where you know Xbox and PlayStation Two those were DVD players, those were media centers, and Nintendo has always been you know this is a gaming device, like that's what it, it is for gaming. It's not for movies, it's not for DVDs or Blu-ray, like it is to play games. And sometimes it works in Nintendo's favor, sometimes it doesn't. And that was one of the times where it really didn't work in their favor, but you go back and look at it now, and I I would... This is a bold statement to say, but I honestly think the GameCube was a better... Look, The games looked better on the GameCube than it did for the original Xbox and uh, PlayStation 2. If you go back and look at some of the games, you know, that were released on all those systems, like third-party games, they probably looked and sounded the best on the GameCube. 
I have to look and compare the the three because I've never thought of that. We should do that. That's see an, if there were any an third party point, games because there are some games we, that you like to go back and play all the Star Wars Rebel Assault games and all that stuff for the GameCube, and those games just look incredible even still. Those games were harder than I remember. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have as much fun going back and playing those as an adult. <laughs> I, there's, I still like them, though. Um, but as far as the reception for Mario Kart 64, um, it was it received generally positive reviews from critics and proved to be a commercial success. Review aggregator Metacritic ranks it as the sixth highest ranked N64 title based on 15 reviews. Hmm and has sold 9.87 million copies worldwide, making it the second best-selling game in the console's history. Wow. Uh, Metacritic gave it an 83 out of 100. EGM gave it 9.25 out of 10. GameSpot, 6.4. IGN, uh, 8.1 out of 10. And then Nintendo Life gave the the Wii port a 9 out of 10 stars. And uh, Nintendo Power gave it a uh, 90%. So I, I look at those with a bit of an asterisk because those were rated at the time the game was released. Yeah. So I, I'll say this about the game. It's not entirely bad because it did do things that benefited the series as a whole, which I, I think every installment should do. However as an individual game, it does not hold up well, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. outside of a couple of things. Yeah. It's got good moments, as I mentioned, but as an overall game, I'm glad I went back and played it, but my opinion of it has not changed. So I I think as a number score, I don't want to give it like a a one or a two because it wasn't unplayable, Mm. but I, I would give it, I'd give it a five. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it right in the middle. Just for innovation, it gets a five. Yeah, it, it gets extra points because of innovation and what it did for the franchise as a whole. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the review, and um, I, I just wanted to say to everybody, uh, I didn't notice until we were about twenty minutes into the show that Streamlabs stopped streaming the show to Twitch after 18 seconds. So we have what? no video version of the show this week. Uh, I wish I would have recorded it and not just streamed it. So I, I, I apologize. I'll see what I can do about getting at least the audio version up on YouTube. If you, if you watch or listen to this show on YouTube, I'll find some way to get it up there for you. Um, I got an idea. Um, send me the audio file and whatever artwork you were going to make. Okay. Because yeah, what, what I, I can do is it. just put that up as yeah. like the image. Okay. And then have the audio play beneath it. Yeah. I'll it'll send... take like, it'll take like a couple of minutes to do. Yeah. I'll send that to you as soon as we get done here. And uh, sorry yeah. about that. Uh, especially, I was wondering why Axeblade never uh, said anything back to us after we were streaming because 18 seconds and we just stopped streaming. So I don't know what happened That's weird. There. That's really weird. Yeah, and I, I, I haven't even looked at the chat, so that was that was my bad too. So, but um, but yeah, nah, sorry about that, everybody. But uh, it happens. Technical glitches, they happen. Um, yep, happened with go, me earlier today. We wanted to say, uh, if you have any voicemails you want to leave for us, you can leave them at Anchor.fm 
slash NerdCaveRetro, and we will play them on the show if you send us a voicemail. And uh, Derek, you want to tell them uh, about our, our panels at Pensacon this year? Yeah, so we're doing two panels, myself, Jason, and our mutual friend, Mr. Wally Phelps. First up, we have the Nerd Cave Retro Pensacon panel, which, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about the re-released GoldenEye, which I'm afraid to play. <laughs> but for the sake of the panel and for the show, we are going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, that will take place Saturday, February 25th at 11 a.m., at the right place in room four. And the great thing about this place is that it's only two blocks from the Bay Center. Nice. That's awesome. So so it's it's very walkable. Awesome. Because last year we had to drive everywhere to go where we needed to go. Uh, that was that was such a nightmare. And trying to catch such a little trolleys everywhere. And then the trolleys stop at like five. And we're like, yep. well, guess we gotta walk three miles to get back to the car. Yep. So uh, if you're not able to make the panel, we will be recording it and it will air as an episode of Nerd Cave Retro. And soon after that, we have the return of Defending Bad Movies. Yes. Defending Bad Movies Part 4. Uh, no witty subtitle <laughs> for this year. I thought about calling it Defending Bad Movies Reboot since we yeah. <laughs> since we missed last year. But we should. It will, we'll, we'll save that for, for another one. Uh, that will take place in room three of the right place, uh, same day, February 25th at 1.30. And if you're not able to make that, that will also be recorded and will air as an episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. So really looking forward to both. I think, you know, the, at some point we got to do Defending Bad Video Games. Yeah, I'm down for that. That's a whole nother panel we could do. That yep. day. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll put that on the docket for 2024. So if you want to hang out with us and you want to come see the uh, the panels, just be at the right uh, the right building uh, at 11 a.m. and we'll be there uh, in two different rooms, but you'll see where we are. Yep, you can spend your uh, late morning, early afternoon with us. Yeah, come by and say hi, and we'll hang out with you for a little while. Yeah, and, um, but I think that's about it. Anything else? Um, actually, uh, what's going on with Derek Diamond Experience? What you got coming? You're working on it tonight. So what what you got? Coming? Yep. So um, yeah, recorded that right before we did this show. It was actually really cool. Um, I talked with uh, the writer director and two of the actors from a feature film uh, called Savage that was shot here uh, in Pensacola and is going to uh, premiere a week from today, February thirteenth, at the Sanger Theater which I think is really cool that that's they were cool. able to book it. Cause that's, that's a really big deal. So I, I talked with uh, Javen Garza, who is the writer director and then two of the actors, Don Hamill and Steve uh, Marlowe. So we had a really fun chat. Uh, check that out. If you're, um, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, uh, should be out around the same time. So just uh, go to linktree.com slash D diamond podcast. It's where you can find all the subscription information where you can follow me on social media, podcasts, YouTube, all that fun stuff. Fantastic. And uh, go check out the open micers podcast. Uh, last week we, uh, Jacob got sick last week. So we had to do uh, a makeup episode in the middle of the week. And I um, love the title of it, by the way, <laughs> old thunder, old lips. thunder lips, <laughs> the ultimate male. So yeah, we talked about, uh, we talked about Hulk Hogan and just, just a bunch of stuff. So go check out that hostful goodness episode over there at open micers on Twitter and Instagram. So is that it? Is that everything for this week? 
I think so. Let's get out of here. If you would like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com takes you to our link tree that includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our Patreon, our merch shop, and now it takes you to our Discord. We have a Discord link on there. If you want to join the Discord, there's a never-ending link right there at nerdcaveretro.com. Also, ncrmerch.com. You can go buy t-shirts, hats, buttons, mugs, whatever your nerdy little heart desires. You can leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. And if you want to watch the show, go to youtube.com slash jfunktastic. And that's going to do it for this week. Tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show!